Letter thirty five of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julia Niedermeyer. Pamela, volume two, by Samuel Richardson. Letter thirty five from Miss Danford to Mrs. B. My dear Mrs. B., pray give my service to your Mr. B and tell him he is very impolite in his reflections upon me as to mr murray when he supposes i regret the loss of him you are much more favourable and just too i will say to your polly darnford these gentlemen the very best of them are such indelicates they think so highly of their saucy selves and confident sex as if a lady cannot from her heart despise them but if she turns them off as they deserve and continues her dislike, what should be interpreted in her favour as a just and regular conduct, is turned against her, and it must proceed from spite. Mr. B. may think he knows much of the sex, but were I as malicious as he is reflecting, and yet, if I have any malice, he has raised it, I could say that his acquaintance was not with the most unexceptionable, till he knew you and he has not long enough been happy in you, I find, to do justice to those who are proud to emulate your virtues. I say, Mrs. B., there can be no living with these men upon such beginnings. They ought to know their distance, or be taught it, and not to think it in their power to confer it as a favour, which they should esteem it an honour to receive. But neither can I bear, it seems, the preparatives to matrimony, the fine clothes, the compliments, the busy novelty, as he calls it, the new equipages, and so forth. That's his mistake again, tell him, for one who can look forward than the nine days of wonder can easily despise so flashy and so transient a clare, and where fond of compliments it would not, perhaps, be the way to be pleased in that respect if I were to marry. Compliments in the single state are ladies' due, whether courted or not, and she receives, or ought always to receive them, as such. But in courtship they are poured out upon one, like a hasty shower, soon to be over. A mighty comfortable consideration this, to a lady who loves to be complimented. Instead of the refreshing April-like showers, which beautify the sunshine, she shall stand at the luge of complacence, be wet to the skin with it. And what then? why be in a libyan desert ever after experience a constant parching drought and all her attributed excellencies will be swallowed up in a quick sense of matrimony it may be otherwise with you and it must be so because there is such an infinite variety in your excellence but does mr b think it must be so in every matrimony tis true he improves every hour as i see in his fine speeches to you but it could not be, Mr. B., if he did not. Your merit exhorts it from him. And what an ungrateful, as well as absurd child, would he be, who should seek to obscure a meridian lustre that dazzles the eyes of every one else? I thank you for your delightful narratives, and beg you to continue them. I told you how your Saturday's conversation with Lady Davis and your Sunday employments charm us all so regular and so easy to be performed that's the delightful thing 
what everybody may do, and yet so beautiful, so laudable, so uncommon in the practice, especially among people in genteel life. Your conversation and decision in relation to the two parsons, more than charm, transport us. Mr. B. judges right and acts a charming part to throw such a fine game into your hands, and so excellently do you play it, that you do as much credit to your partner's judgment as to your own. Never was so happy a couple. Mr. Williams is more my favourite than ever, and the amply rewarded Mr. Adams, how did that scene affect us? Again and again, I say, for what can I say else or more, since I can't find words to speak all I think? You're a charming lady. Yet, methinks, poor Mr. H. makes but a sorry figure among you. We are delighted with Lady Davis, but still more, if possible, with the Countess. She is a fine lady, as you have drawn her. But your characters, though truth and nature, are the most shocking or the most amiable that I have ever read. We are full of impatience to hear of the arrival of Sir Jacob's Winford. We know his character pretty well, but when he has set for it to your pencil, it must be an original indeed. I will have another trial with my papa, to move him to let me attend you. I am rallying my forces, and I have got my mamma on my side again, who is concerned to see a girl vexed and insulted by her younger sister, and who yet minds no more what she says to her than what I say. And Sir Simon loves to make mischief between us, instead of interposing to silence either, and truly I am afraid his delight of this kind will make him deny his Polly what she so ardently wishes for. I had a good mind to be sick, to be with you. I could fast two or three days to give it a better appearance. But then my mamma, who loves not deceit, would blame me, if she knew my stratagem, and be grieved if she thought I was really ill. I know fasting, when one has a stomach to eat, gives one a very gloomy and mortified air. What would I not do, in short, to procure to myself the inexpressible pleasure that I should have in your company and conversation? But continue to write to me till then, however, and that will be next best. I am your most obliged and obedient Polly Darnford. End of Letter 35